This is Winning Streaks with Sam Bakhtiar. Welcome to Winning Streaks. I'm your host, Tanvir Mustafa, and every week I get deep into the stories and strategies of experts, champions, business moguls, and industry leaders to find out how you can win the day and win at life. If you're committed to never settling for the status quo and consistently challenging yourself to new heights, then this is the show for you. In return, I commit to bringing you insightful, practical, and no BS conversations that will help you create your next big win. Before we jump into today's episode, I really want to take a moment to say thank you. At the time of this recording, it has been exactly a week since I relaunched this show and called it Winning Streaks. Since then, many of you have subscribed, rated, and reviewed the show, and because of that, Winning Streaks is now a top 20 self-improvement podcast in Canada and top 50 in education on Apple Podcasts. I'm honestly overwhelmed in the best way possible, and I can't express how grateful I am for all of your support. I want to make one last final push for the top 10. So if you are listening now and haven't had the chance to rate and review on iTunes, it would mean so much to me if you did. This isn't just a show for me. It's a community and together we can keep soaring higher and higher straight to the top. On today's episode, we have a former war refugee turned multimillionaire entrepreneur, Sam Bakhtiar. He is a doctor, CEO, author, and world-class bodybuilder. He runs a fitness franchising business, the Camp Transformation Center, with 110 locations and two different supplement and nutrition companies. With a bachelor's degree from Pennsylvania State University in sports science and life science, as well as a doctorate from Los Angeles College of Chiropractic, Dr. Bakhtiar has helped over 100,000 people transform physically and mentally. He specializes in helping people get to the top 1% in any and every aspect of their life. Dr. Bakhtiar's passion for transformations began by transforming his own physique from a scrawny, awkward kid to a champion bodybuilder with 23 major bodybuilding titles, including Mr. Orange County, Mr. Pittsburgh, Mr. California, Emerald Cup, Tournament of Champions, as well as placing runner-up in Mr. USA. Sam Bakhtiar knows how to win. Let's find out how he does it. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Winning Streaks. We have Mr. One Percenter himself and multiple-time bodybuilding champion, Dr. Sam Bakhtiar in the house. Sam, welcome to Winning Streaks. Henry, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it so much. And, you know, Sam, you're a true started from the bottom now we hear story. You've gone through it all, basically. Um, but I, I want to start in the now because I think it really puts into perspective everything you've been through. You have the luxury Instagram life we all see. If I scroll down my feed, you know, it's phenomenal luxury cars, beautiful home. You have a beautiful family making millions. How does it actually feel? Like, how does that, what is that like? No, it feels great. You know, I'm like, wow, finally I got here, right? Everything that I ever wanted, everything that I always dreamed about, I got, I got the, I got the dream house. I got the dream cars, you know, and everything is together. I'll tell you right now that, it's not all the material things. Because when I was broke, when I was really, really broke, to me, success was material things. You know what I mean? And now when I got all this stuff, it's not that. Success is not that now. For me, success is progression. Success is peace of mind. Success is helping other people. 
Success is, you know, uh, bringing up my kids so they're functioning and contributing members of society. Success is doing what I want, when I want, with who I want. You know, that's the most important thing right now in my life. But growing up, you gotta, you know, somebody says, you know, I, I, there's a quote that says, you know, uh, you know, what, is, what does it say? It says, money, money doesn't uh, buy happiness. And then the other quote says, well, let me find out. Right, right. You know? um, and it's true. You know, you do need money to be happy. I don't care what anybody say. I mean, if you don't have a place to live, if you don't have food to eat, if you can't help your mom, your dad, you know, your, your, your loved ones, if you can't help your kid, you know, get a good education or be able to, you know, be, you, money, you need money, you know. You don't need excess money. You need enough money for you to be able to be a functioning member uh, of society or be able, be able to survive. Right. Anything other than that is bonus. Yeah, and it, I feel like it's also about, you know, you need enough money to live the life that you want to live, which for everybody, it's different things. But the reality is, you know, we talk so much about, um, and we talk a lot about on the show about being grateful for the moment or being grateful for what you have and, and always trying to feel abundant. Um, but when you got bills to pay and people to feed and family to support, very hard to say. But I'm curious, like, did you ever feel that before you had kind of what you have now? You know, did you ever feel that fulfillment prior? Like, were you like, I'm happy with where I am kind of thing? Or was it a Not never settle attitude? Not at all. You know, it was a never settle attitude. You know, I always wanted more, always want more. Matter of fact, you know, uh, at one point, every win that I had in life became my agony. You know, because every time I won something, I, I, I conquered something, I achieved a goal, I didn't even celebrate. I was like, okay, what's next? What else I need to conquer? I never sat down and was like, hey man, congratulations. Take a break, pat yourself on the back. You did great. And I'm like, okay, cool. What's next? What's next? You know, and uh, that's not what you, what, what you want to be in life. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being ambitious. There's nothing wrong with being a go-getter, you know, and I'm still like that. But first, always, you know, you know ask yourself, you know, I'm not where, I, you know, I'm not where I used to be. I'm never going to be where I want to be. Never. There's always another level that I haven't achieved. I don't care what it is. Jeff Bezos is not where he wants to be. Yeah, that guy's always rising higher for sure. Okay. You, know, you know what I mean? So I'm, gonna, I'm never going to be where I want to be. That's called evolution. That's called pushing yourself. However, I'm going to tell, tell you this quote from my pastor that made total sense to me. He said, I'm not where I want to be, but I thank God I'm not where I used to be. I love that. I, I really like that. And um, it's all about progression and, you know, taking it one step further um, everywhere along the way. I think you're at a point now where it's like, what's next, but I'm happy I've come so far, you know, and, and, and constantly moving the train forward. Yeah. Um, but, you know, digging into your past a little bit, you came from Iran to the United States at eight, at the age of 11. Um, you know, where you lived was, was, getting bombed all the time, uh, anti-tank missiles, um, just so much, so much, uh, difficulty to get through. You came with uh, a single mother at the time and only $500. Now you've built an incredible, you know, fitness and life transformation empire and just stacked a ton of wins throughout your life. I can't help think though, that there are dozens or hundreds of other 11 year old Sam's out there currently in Lebanon, Iran, Syria, who are also dreaming of a better life. If they're listening to this episode right now, what would you want to say to them? I want to let them know that 
first of all, they can do it as long as they're willing to pay the price. See, everybody wants the shine, but nobody wants the grind. You know what I mean? Everybody wants the fancy house, the fancy cars, the life, the money. But are they willing to put in the work? That's the difference. I'm no smarter than anybody else here. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, you know, I don't have the magic formula. The one thing that God and my mom have blessed me with and taught me is that, that I can do whatever I want. I can be whatever I want as long as I'm willing to put in the work, as long as I'm willing to do, go in day in, day out and do whatever it takes. Got it. And so you, you paid a price. And if you could define what that price that you paid was, what, what would it be? The price is being relentless, getting up in the morning, staying up late, working on the weekends, giving up on relationships, you know, failed marriage, bankruptcy, foreclosures, you name it, I've done it. You know, that, that's the price. Yeah. And you like to put into perspective, again, you were this young kid and you thought you were coming to America and it was going to be the American dream, right? Like nice cars everywhere, nice houses, great food all the time, full belly. What was the reality that you came to when you arrived in America? And, uh, you know, in addition to that, I'd like to ask, what do you feel now is the American dream? The American dream right now the American dream is becoming your own boss, doing whatever you want to do, you know, with whom you want to do, when you want to do. That's the American dream. You know, we live in a capitalistic society, which is rewards people for their hard work. Right. A capitalist society is designed that, hey, the harder you work, the more you can earn. Your, your earning income is unlimited as long as you are willing to work and do whatever it takes. It doesn't reward a lazy person, you know what I mean? That that and, and that's the American dream, you know. And um, you know uh, that's I always tell people: if you can't make it in America, where are you going to make it? Yeah. And and what was that uh, reality that you came to like originally when you got here? Because you were like, this is definitely not what you had expected, right? I mean, you know, back then they didn't have Google or YouTube, you know, so. I didn't, I couldn't do any research on where I was coming to. So my research was American TV shows. You know, I thought that, <laughs> um, you know, you know, you know, there was shows like Dallas Dynasty. It's like the Kardashians of today. You know, everybody was fancy cars and fancy homes and, and all this kind of stuff. And I thought that's where I was going to come to. They don't show the ghetto in America. They don't show Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, Idaho. You know, they show Beverly Hills and nice parts of like Dallas and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But um, so my reality was Sharon, Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. you know, in, in the middle of the one of the worst neighborhoods I've, I've seen to date. Mm -hmm. It's it. There's such a discrepancy with what people think sometimes, especially when coming over. Like I know for my parents, when coming over, the expectations and the reality. And, you know, a lot of people too, they're educated abroad, but then they get here and it's like, oh, our education doesn't mean as much. And so you're right. You're right. You're exactly right. And um, immigrants know this the best. You know this the best is that there's a little bit of a chip on your shoulder to work that much harder and give a My dad always tells me, like, if you got, we got to try to go 200% at whatever, whatever, whatever it is that we're doing in order to accomplish it. But what I, I'm also really curious about is that, you know, you said hard work, like you got to be willing to pay the price. And I would say a lot of people here do hard work, right? Like they work 
you know, at McDonald's, they work really hard or they're working, you know, day jobs and grinding. But what's the difference? Yeah. What's the difference between the two? That's what I'm talking about. You, you can work hard in a warehouse and not be anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not talking about working hard as a job, at a job. I'm working, I'm saying work hard on yourself. Right. So you're working hard, you know, working hard at the job will, will get you nowhere. But you got to be willing to work harder on yourself that you do at any job. And that's 24-7. Yeah. Whether, whether it's in the gym, whether it's in your education, whether it's in your relations, whether it's in your new skill, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And that's, that's the discrepancy that I wanted to, to kind of bring out because a lot of people are thinking, you know, I work hard. I work so hard all the time, but it's like, no, nah, there's a different angle. And I love how you put it as, you know, you're working on yourself, you're working on bettering yourself so you can kind of take it to the next level. And I mean, you did this, you came over when you were the scrawny armed, you know, big bellied kid who had a really hard time fitting in. And I think you've talked about it before, as in, you know, you joined school back in 1985 and it was white people on one side, black people on, on the other side and Sam Bakhtiar in the middle. And because of your shape and, and uniqueness, uh, you know, you got bullied a lot. Do you remember some of those bullied getting like instances of getting bullied? And, and what were those like? Absolutely. I remember it was like yesterday, you know, you know, I'm going to go on a record and tell you that I got whooped by a girl, you know? So, you know, I mean, you, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a fact, you know, I got, you know, it's a big girl, one of those girls that can beat most guys, but nevertheless, she whooped my butt, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, threw me in the locker. Uh, you know, I got called names, you know, I got slapped, I got pushed, you know, you name it, you know, I have it, you know, kids can be cruel at that young age, 11, 12, 13, you know, you know, those, those years. And I was just a, a minority. I was the only minority. I didn't fit in. So, uh, but to me, um, bullying is a fact of life. Mm. You know what I mean? You know, I go back to my school every year to give a $10,000 donation. And right now, when I walk to the halls of the school that I used to go to, there is like a 1-800-BULLY line. 1-800, you know, you know, call a bully. You know, if you're being bullied, call this number. They didn't have that back then. I had to problem solve myself. I had to figure out how I'm going to either defeat the bully or how the bully stop bullying me. You know what I mean? And that, to me, these days, is, is a lost art. There's an organization for everything. You know what I mean? I don't care what do you do. Somebody's going to have something against it. You know, listen, do we, as American, don't we bully other nations? We always say, hey, France or Iraq, don't do that or we're going to come F you up, right? Right. You know, and they're like, oh, okay, we don't want, they come over here, they're going to do that. It's an evolutionary thing where a bigger kid is going to pick on the the smaller kid. The sophomore is going to, you know, pick on the freshman. You know what I mean? The freshman is going to, you know, pick on the smaller kid. The senior is going to pick on the junior. The junior is going to pick on the sophomore. That's how life is. That's how life was designed. Why? Because now it gives us the natural ability to say, okay, I'm going to overcome or I'm going to submit. And that's what builds character. Now, for me, all the bullying, all the name calling, all that, that made me stronger. That made me a beast. At the time, it didn't feel good. But it made me who I am today. I can relate to you so much, man. And like, I got, you know, I was looking, obviously doing looking at your background and um, one tagline that I saw in a bunch of places was um, from bullied to bodybuilder. And we'll get into the bodybuilding in a bit. But for me, I always talk about how I went from bullied to blessed. And, you know, 
it, that's the exact line I use. So when I came across that, I, I kind of chuckled a little bit. But the thing was, was when I was getting bullied, my mentality was instead of trying to put a temporary bandaid on it, let me get to a place where my bullies are going to have to, you know, they're going to want to be friends with me, you know, or they're going to respect me for where I got to. And, you know, I think that happened to me in a lot of areas of my life, but it's, it's a constant chip on my shoulder that I still feel to this day. And I think you do too. It's like all those experiences of getting bullied always makes you feel like you got something else to work towards. So you're, you know, constantly striving forward and I'm competitive that way, but I think you are. It made you who you are. It really yeah. makes you who you are. So I'm not downplaying, okay, you know, oh my God, like, you know, it's, gosh, man, I don't want to become, every time I talk about this, I want to make sure I'm not being insensitive, okay? You know, because I know, you know, there are kids that they get bullied and they go shoot out the school and, and they get bullied and, and they go cut themselves or hang themselves. And I'm, you know, and that's a huge issue. Mm-hmm. But if all of a sudden somebody is bullying you or you could be having adversity and you just can't deal with it and you got to take your own life. There's, there is a problem within you. You got to be able to cope with that. You got to be able to overcome that. You know, you got to be able to say, okay, I'll get through this, you know? And, and to me, you know, uh, back then when I went to school, I never heard of somebody, oh my God, man, you know, he went, he, he went and, shot the whole school because he was bullied or, oh, well, you know, he, he took his own life because he's bullied. We, nobody ever did that. Mm-hmm. Bullying means, okay, you're going to go out after school. It was like this. After school, that was a, that was a gesture. You and me outside. Outside. Remember that? Me and you outside after school. And you went in there, you know, you threw a few blows, you won, you lost, and that was it. You come back the next day and all the school talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, were the talk of the town. You were, you were talking about the next day, right? Yeah. So, so what's wrong with that? Yeah. It makes me think of exactly, uh, you know, Bruce Lee said this, which is, uh, do not pray for an easy life. Pray for the strength to endure a difficult one. Yes. I love that quote. I love that quote. Yeah. So powerful. And again, you've been through so much of it and you've endured and let's get into that a bit more. So you went from bully to bodybuilder. You're a champion many times over. In fact, uh, 23 major bodybuilding titles and runner up in Mr. USA it's one thing to fall in love with fitness, which you did. And another thing entirely to compete professionally. Why do you think you won so many times over? What did you have that the others didn't? Consistency. One word. I didn't have the best genetics, you know, but I showed up every day and I followed the plan every day and I stuck to my diet every day, stuck to my cardio every day. And I was just relentless, you know, and that made me a champion bodybuilder aware, you know, I knew that if a guy came in with superior genetics and if he put in the work that I did, I had no chance. I had no chance. However, if I put all the work that I, that I did and I knew the guy with superior genetics skipped cardio one day, had a few cheat meals, then I knew I would be able to beat him. So my only chance was to make sure the guy with superior genetics would miss a beat because I wasn't willing to miss a beat. Right. You were the hardest worker in the room. That's just plain and simple, you'd say. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I dieted. I dieted. There was no if, ands, or buts. There was no cheat meals. Oh, there's no, oh, have a little bit of this. I, we, I went to, you know, so many parties. I brought my own food. 
you know, I'm Persian, so I go to, you know, Persian events and they're like, what? You brought your own food? You're weird. So I don't care. I have a goal. This is what I got to do. I'm not going to eat your food. Mm-hmm. You know, most of my family think I'm the black sheep of the family because I don't do what they do. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what was that? I'm curious about more about the mindset around that because you, you've, you know, fell in love with fitness because you got cut from the basketball team that you tried out for. Um, unfortunately got cut, uh, which I, you know, fortunately, you know why it's fortunate that I got cut because if I didn't get cut, I want to be here today. I wouldn't have fell in love with bodybuilding, weightlifting. And guess what? The camp wouldn't be around. I wouldn't be a champion bodybuilder. Everything in life happens for you, not against you. So you got to embrace it. So at the time I was devastated, but now I'm looking back. It was the best thing that happened. Are you kidding me? I lo- <laughs> that's, that's amazing that you're putting it in that perspective. Cause I think, uh, again, like it has happened for you, not against you. And you're exactly in the blessed position that you are today, you know, for that reason, like you said. Um, but sometimes we look at our past and be like, man, that sucked. I wish I could do a do, do over, blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. I think it's, it's important to use it as motivation to, to strive to like push us forward. Yeah. And so after that, what made you decide that, you know, once you found your, your passion for fitness and bodybuilding, what made you decided that you wanted to go from, you know, just doing working out in the gym to no, I want to compete. I want to, you know, make money off of this. What was the mentality behind that? At first wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't about making money off of this. It's like, this is cool. This is really cool. You know, and I want to compete. I want to take my body to the next level. You know, again, life is all about progression. Progression equals happiness. And I was like, all right, so I look okay, but what's the next level? What's the next level? What's the next level? You know, I do that in all areas of my life. But when I got a job as a personal trainer in college, I saw that impact I was making on people. Mm-hmm. I saw that, you know, my clients love me because I truly touched them their life. I changed their life. And I was like, wow, how can I do more of this? How can I change more life? And the next answer was, well, what I don't I open up my own personal training gym and touch more and more life. Nothing feels better when somebody comes to you and say, Sam, you changed my life. That, that is uh, that is a great feeling um, for sure. And you've impacted millions of people by now with the work you do, um, the speaking you do, the, the training you do. Um, and I understand that your mother was a big influence in that, you know, and she kind of gave you three options. And I see this all the time it happened, happened in my family, you know, doctor, lawyer, engineer, one of which, you know, you did by getting a, a PhD in chiropractic, but coming from a, a family of first generation immigrant parents, this is something really pushed in my family as well. And so going back, how do you think that pressure influenced your overall career in life? And what would you say to someone facing similar pressures right now? Well, I mean, um, I'm so glad my mom pushed me. My mom always pushed me because she wanted better for me, you know, and, um, my mom always was the person to say, Sam, you did good, but you could do better. You know, I don't think I ever actually got praised by my mom. <laughs> Weird. You know, I don't think she said, ever said, oh, Sam, good job. You know, I could have done there. So I was, oh, okay, we can do better. You know what I mean? And to this day, you know, it's so funny. I take my daughter to soccer. You know, my mom is 72 years old. You know, my mom is coaching from the field. My daughter. Oh, no, 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 do this way, no, 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 this way. I'm like, oh, man, that, that makes these all coming down, you know what I mean? Um, so, so, with, so with that being said, um, what was the question? 
I was asking, like, what would you say to someone facing like similar pressures of becoming a doctor, lawyer, engineer? And um, like you said, like it, that pressure from your mother influenced you a lot. But are we asking for yourself? <laughs> cut, no, cut, no, I mean, I kind of overcame that hurdle. Um, I think with my, my parents, that was a, a common issue. But um, I think it's a lot of a lot of people's issues, like especially um, at this point in time, they were always guided by their parents on what they should do. And now they're trying to find their own path. It's a great question. First of all, you have to understand that your parents want the best for you. You know, they, they, they push you for, 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 for the best because they want you to become the best version of yourself. However, they have outdated data. You know what I mean? Their, their, their software and hardware, they're outdated. They're not new software and all that. So they don't understand that there are different ways to become successful. Successful to my mom meant gain a degree, you gain a suit and tie, go to work every day, see patients and come home. You know, that was success to my mom. You know, to me, you know, to me, success is getting up where I want, don't have to be anywhere that I don't want to be. I can be in flip-flops all day. I can be, I can be working in my underwear. That to me is success, but success is freedom. Not in a suit and a tie, not a BMW, you know, not a, you know, not, not going to, to an office, you know, and because we know now that there are so many different ways, we're not in an industrial age no more. We're in an information age. We're in an entrepreneur's age, you know? So the best thing you have to do is just sit down with, with the parent and loved one and just explain that to them. You know, I know it's easier said than done. A lot of times they don't get it and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's your, it's your world, it's your life, and you got to make a decision for yourself. And that's why it's so important for the parents, for the parents, you know, to, to just be trusted advisors to their kids, not a dictator, just trusted advisor, you know, telling them their opinion, what they think, you know, and give them, you know, give the kids their own options. At the end of the day, it's their life. Absolutely. And it, and it is true. Like they always want the best for their kids that that is without a doubt you know there's an unconditional love there and i think it's just about bridging the gap between the present and what they kind of know to be the, the their truth um and entrepreneurship is certainly one of those new things that even 10 years ago you didn't really hear anybody saying the word entrepreneur oh let me tell you something man. Let, me, let me let me stop you know for a second because i have a funny story one of my friends came in to sign up at my gym many years ago i was i was i would say about 15 years ago he came in with a, uh, a Mercedes. I didn't know him back then. He came in with an S-Class Mercedes, had a nice ring, a nice watch, suit and tie, you know. And I said, Dan, I go, what do you do? He goes, I'm an entrepreneur. I looked at him and I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> like, 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 I was like, what is that? I didn't, you know, that was the first time I've heard the word entrepreneur. First time, you know, and now... You know, we got, I got kids, I'm at Starbucks, you know, kids like 14 years old. I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> like, what the hell? Like, 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 you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, it's crazy right now. Do you think it's overused? Absolutely. Absolutely. Entrepreneur now is another word for people that used to say, I'm an actor. I'm, 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 I'm you know, I want to become an actor. Easier said than done. You're not an entrepreneur. You're a entrepreneur. Right. You're an entrepreneur. You're not ready to become an entrepreneur. You're not ready for the, the, the foreclosures, the divorces, the, 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 uh, the bankruptcies, and 
and the heartaches and 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 the employee issues and and the lawsuits and and you know and everything else that comes with entrepreneurship. You gotta have you know an armor and shield and, and get ready. Entrepreneurship is not okay. Let me be behind the computer. Let me put on a let me put on a Facebook post. I'm let me make a million dollars. That's what I'm gonna do because I'm gonna become an Instagram model and that's what I'm gonna do. No, it's a lot harder than that. Yeah, and you know what's interesting, and that just made me think like. I think about this often and Jeff Bezos is getting a lot of flack rate lately. Cause so many people are like, he's a trillionaire. He could be spe- spreading the wealth. And I'm like, am I, this is my opinion. He did so much to get there that people don't haven't seen. Right. Also he's putting things on the table, like probably 50% of the things in my room right now I have purchased from Amazon. Listen, so let's, man. yeah. Listen, Jeff Bezos is a genius. He deserves every bit of that trillion dollar. He don't owe shit to nobody. Okay. If you are somebody who says, oh, this person owes me this or because you're an entitled, selfish motherfucker. Excuse my language. I got to be able to say that. I don't know if I can say that on your show. No, it's good. That just fucking pisses me off. And somebody is entitled. He should do this. He shouldn't. No, maybe you should come up with a solution. Bust your ass, risk every fucking thing and go out there and, and make it happen. You know what I mean? Don't sit down here. I'll oh, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. That entire shit doesn't go well with me. So if Jeff Bezos wants to do whatever he wants, I don't care if Jeff Bezos wants to just spend trillion dollars on strippers. That's his profile. That's what he wants to do. More, more, more money on him. You know, more, more power to him. But he's doing a lot for the community. I mean, think about it. I went to buy a couple of supplements at a local store. Okay, at a local store. Yeah. And I, I look at the supplements. I'm like, oh, cool. This is a cool supplement. I'm ready to buy it. Oh, you know what? Let me check on Amazon. So I go check on Amazon. The supplement I was selling for $61, $63 on the store, $40 on Amazon. Click, was here the next day. Sometimes the same night. Okay? So Jeff Bezos have done that for you. Jeff Bezos have done that. You know, he, he had a problem. I mean, we have two supplement companies, right? And these supplement companies do, you know, eight figures. Okay? And we messed things up shipping. Yeah. Amazon does billions of shipping a day. And out of 300 times I've ordered from Amazon, one time they messed up. What is the logistic of that? Yeah. How the hell does Jeff make that shit happen? Because I, I can't figure it out with my eight-figure business, not his, you know, 15-figure business, you know, uh, you know, billion, trillion business. Yeah. Instead of criticizing this guy, I'd rather ask myself, how do I become like this guy? Like, I feel like you just got to ask the right questions and not be, you know, not be in that mindset of somebody owes me something. It's like, no, you owe it to yourself to figure it out. Um, you know what I mean? And, and that's, that's a big indicator of success is like, what questions are you asking yourself? And another indicator of success, in my opinion, is proximity. And so let's talk about where you first started out when you came over, like you said, in Pennsylvania, um, working for your uncle. What was that experience like? Talk about how much you were getting paid um, at that time and, and kind of what your mindset was like at that time. So... <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. You've done great research on me. I appreciate that. Pretty great question. Of course. When I, when I first came, you know, to the United States, like I said, we came from to Sharon, Pennsylvania. My uncle uh, was the only relative that we had, and he had a convenience store in the worst neighborhood. Um, outside the store, the first thing I saw was pimps, drug dealers, and prostitutes. 
you know, and I was, you know, you know, surrounded by those kind of people in the store. My mom to this day, uh, she kind of gets mad at me. She goes, Sam, you know, why you're, you know, why, why do you have a hood accent? I go, mom, did you forget where you brought me? Did you forget where you dropped me off as, as soon as we get off the plane? What do you think? What do you think? I'm like, I am who I am, right? Yeah. So um, with, that, with that being said, man, I mean, um, proximity is everything. If you hang out with drug dealers, you're going to be a drug dealer. If you're going to hang out with prostitutes, you're going to become prostitutes. If you're hanging around millionaires, you're going to become a millionaire. If you hang out with billionaires, you're going to hang out with billionaires. And so I realized that, and I, need, I, I needed to know that I need to change my proximity. I needed to make sure that I figured out a way to get out there and, and be around the right people so I can, you know, elevate myself to the next level, you know, and uh, working for my uncle, this is a, this is a, you know, pretty uh, fun fact working for my uncle. Um, you know, I, I didn't know what minimum wage was or anything like I was, you know, my uncle was, you know, let me, let us stay in his house and he was paying me a uh, hundred dollars every two weeks for about 60 hours of work, you know, bucks a month. Holy yeah, 200 bucks a month for, you know, for about 120 hours of work, you know? And I didn't you know, I was happy. I was making some money. I was doing this and that, no big deal. Until one day, you know, um, I wanted to buy a, my dream car back then was a Volkswagen GTI. And I needed about $300 a month because not only the premium was $200, but I had to need the gas and insurance, you know? So I remember I was in school one day and one of my friends said he had a job. And his job is minimum wage. He's making three thirty-five an hour. I'm like three thirty-five an hour. Wait a second. How much am I making? So I want to pick up the calculator, and and put up a okay. All right. So let me see. So sixty hundred divided by sixty. I was like making like a dollar thirty-three an hour. <laughs> oh my god. I was making dollar thirty-three an hour, and uh, so I went to my uncle, and I said, Uncle. I said, I love you, you know, but did you know minimum wage is $1.33? I mean, $3.35 an hour. I'm making $1.33 for the past two years. <laughs> well, yes, Sam, but uh, you live with me and, uh, you know, and we, we can't afford to pay $3.35 an hour, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And I said, Uncle, I love you, man, you know, but I really wanted this thing. And so, you know, so I kind of quit the family business. I went and worked at McDonald's, you know, then I went and worked and delivered pizza in the snow. And worked at a car wash and a gas station to be able to make three thirty-five an hour, so I can finally, you know, afford to get my dream car. And I was able to get my dream car, which was a nineteen eighty-three Volkswagen Rapid GTI. It wasn't new; it was an OU's one. Beautiful, but to me, that's all I wanted. What I love about that story is, like, you know, although Volkswagen GTI is a, is a material possession, right? It's the work you put in to get there. It's like you set a goal for yourself and you put in the work habits to get there. What were the things like, or the indicators or the habits that you think ultimately impacted you the most in getting to where you are today? Being relentless, being resilient, knowing what I want and figuring out what I'd had to do to get it. You know, that, that's bottom line. You know, you know, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a stubborn, you know, according to my wife, man, you know, I'm, I'm a stubborn <laughs> bastard. <laughs> and I agree. And I agree. I know what I want. I'm not willing to compromise. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Yeah. And, and, you know, like we said, part of that was the, the proximity piece. Um, and I think you started to realize what it takes when you visited Cali for the first time. 
if correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's, that's when you kind of got a glimpse of what you want the future to look like. What was that experience like? Why do you think that affected you so much? Yeah, because I mean, I came from Sharon, Pennsylvania. No, Sharon, Pennsylvania, you know, you know, there was like one BMW or maybe one Mercedes in the entire town. And there were older ones owned by a lawyer and a doctor. And I remember those two because they, you know, those guys went to my school and it was like the only lawyer and, and, and doctor in town. So everybody looked at that car like, oh, my God, like it was the, the craziest thing. You know, everybody, oh, my God, that's that Mercedes. Oh, my God, that's that BMW, you know. And so when I graduated from Penn State and I was coming to California, I'm like, all of a sudden I get to California. I'm driving my little Toyota, you know, on a 405. And all of a sudden I'm like, wow, there's a BMW. Oh, there's a Mercedes. Oh, there's a, oh, what is it? Is that a Ferrari? Oh, my God, there's a Lambo. Oh, there's a Rosa. My mind was absolutely blown, blown. Because those are the kind of cars that I just saw in magazines. I didn't think actually people owned them. You know, I'm a car enthusiast. I remember going to the mall with my mom for the first time, you know, and literally I, I wouldn't want to go inside the mall because I was outside peeking through the window of these cars, just obsessing about the, the interior, looking at the tires, looking at, looking at the thing. And, um, and that's when I knew, like, wow, this is a possibility. If these guys are doing it, then I can do it. And it's so crazy. It's so crazy how life works. Because guess what? These days, I go to the same mall, you know, and I drive my Rolls Royce in the, right in the valley. And I got my shopping bags full of designer clothes. And I walk into it and I'm like, this is so surreal. Because I, I was used to be like, wow, how do these people do it? And now I'm the guy who's doing it. And I, I couldn't imagine because I was like literally in awe. And now I'm in awe of I'm, I did it. But the funny thing is, once I've done it, I don't care. I don't care. Because if you look at what I'm wearing, I wear shorts, a t-shirt, and my Converse every day. Every day. You know what I mean? I don't flash expensive things. I don't do that. Just gonna, it is what it is. I'm comfortable within my own skin. Matter of fact, now that I look at it, it's stupid to spend $800 or $1,000 on a shoe. No, it's stupid to spend $200 on a t-shirt. You know what I mean? But you have to get there to realize that. Yeah, and you've still got that mindset of it feeling surreal. And I love that it's it's to this day, you know, like Deontay Wilder says, it's to this day, you still feel that, that um, gratitude um, of where you're at. And, and, and that's amazing. Absolutely. So, yeah, I wake up, I come down, I'm like, wait a second. Holy shit, this is my house? Wait, this is my car? This, this, wake up, Sam. Are you dreaming to this day? Yeah. And, and what I love about now, too, is that, you know, in the past, we didn't have social media. So, you know, it, I might have not discovered you 10, 15 years ago. But nowadays, for anyone, like you said, your thought process, and I love this so, a, a lot, which is, if they can do it, I can do it too. And nowadays, it's all on social media for everyone to bear, you know, although you don't see as much the bankruptcies, the, the divorces, the foreclosures, like you don't see that side as much on social media. But you can still look at somebody and say, they got there, I can get there too. What do I have to do, you know, versus um, it's like, you know, versus the obstacles that are in the way. It's like, well, how can I do it? Not what are the things, what are the reasons that I can't do it, you know, yeah. no, and no. you've done this uh, fitness thing for, for years now. 
you've built your empire into running the camp transformation center, 110 different locations, uh, 1% nutrition, which is one of the best supplement companies out there. Um, giving everybody a win on this podcast, you know, what do you think is the number one misconception people have about health and fitness and how can they get it right? You know, most of all, you know, what they get wrong about health and fitness, they, they think there's a magic pill. There is a magic diet. There is a magic workout program, you know, and they, they're, they're looking for that magic shortcut. And there is no magic shortcut. You know, if there was a magic shortcut, guess what? Guess who? Oprah would have found it. Bill Gates would have found it. Steve Jobs would have found it. People who have a lot more resources and people and, and money would have found it. Right. So the only way to, to be able to have true health and fitness is to make it a priority. And just like you take a shower every day, <laughs> you brush your teeth every day. It's something that you do without thinking about. You laugh right now, but listen, two, 300 years ago, nobody took a shower every day. There was no running water. That's right. right? Two, 300 years ago, there was no toothbrush. So these are something that you've done so much that becomes second nature. You don't get up every morning and say, oh, you know, you're driving, driving to work on the way to work. You're like, oh shit, I forgot my, you know, I forgot to take a shower. I forgot to brush my teeth. Right. Nobody does that. You know, you just do it. You know, it's like your second thing. Why not fitness? Why not your health? Why not getting up and moving part of, you know, every day, just like you brush your teeth. It has to become second nature. And until you realize that, you know, if you keep doing that over and over and over again, just like anything else, it's going to compound to great health, great energy, and great violence. Mm -hmm. Creating unconscious habits yep. every day is the way to get there. And yep. so what I'd ask on top of that is nowadays, there's along with all the social media, there's so much information out there, like best diet, best workouts, like all so, so much out there for people to navigate through, especially if they're just starting out in fitness, it's almost like information overload. Where do you recommend people start when it comes to winning at health and fitness? If they're like today, starting tomorrow or starting today, I want to, you know, get my health right. Where do they start and begin to find out what works for them? So first of all, there are many different ways to get in shape. Many different ways. There's many diets, many different, get, you know, ways to get in shape. And here's my answer. You only need one. You only need one. Choose one. I don't care what it is. Well, whatever you choose, stick to it. The problem is not the method. The problem is consistency. You know what I mean? And one of my great mentors told me this. You know, they're like, oh, you know, people say you got to change your workouts around. You got to do this workout and then change it to this workout, to this workout. And one of my mentors told me, Sam, muscles don't get confused. People do. Right. You know, I'm going to leave it with this. When we had three, when we had three channels in my old country, we had three channels on TV. Every night we found something cool to watch. Every night we found something cool. But right now, as of right now, I think between Netflix and Hulu and, and all the stations on cable, I think I have like a few thousand channels. And every night, I can't find a damn thing to watch if I wanted to. Happens to me too. 
So a confused mind doesn't make right decisions. The confused mind doesn't make any decisions. So if you have 50 million, you know, you know, oh my gosh, right, follow this program, follow that program, follow that program, follow that program, you won't do it. Follow a program. I, that's that's so great. And like you said, like when it comes to Netflix, like I find sometimes I'm looking, I'm looking for something to watch more than I'm actually watching something. It's it's crazy. And you know, I'm guilty as much as the next person for trying so many different types of diets and things, but nowadays what I ask myself is um if I want to try something, uh, I always ask myself, can I sustain it? Because saying, oh, I'm going to go keto, keto or I'm going to go vegan or I'm going to go this, I'm going to go that is, is easy to say, but you got to ask yourself, can I sustain this for the rest of my life? Not a month, not 60 days, like for the rest of my life, is it something that I'd be able to do? And I think that's what leads to sustainable habits. Now let's jump into the quick wins seg- segment of the episode where we explore bite-sized tips, tools, and tricks that'll help you find your next win. Sam, what is your favorite exercise and why? My favorite exercise is squats by far, you know, because squats helps the rest of your body grow. When you tax your lower body, the biggest muscle that you have, it will release, you know, other chemicals and hormones to the rest of your body, you know, for it to be able to grow and prosper. That makes me feel good. I did like three sets of squats, air squats, jump squats yesterday. So I feel good about that. Thank you. Now I feel better about myself. Um, If you could keep up with only one millionaire habit that you have, what would it be? Resilience. Awesome. What's one mentor that has had the most impact on your life, um, dead or alive, aside from family members? Who is it? Yeah. And why? I'll say Tony Robbins. Oh, wow. Okay. Because of the influence he's kind of had on you overall? Okay. Awesome. Love those quick wins. And the last one is, what does your morning routine look like? Get up at 4 a.m., you know, take a cold shower or jump in a cold pool, take my vitamins, say my gratitude, look over my goals, hit the gym at 5 a.m. That's a solid morning routine, man. I got to, I got to level up. This was awesome. I had such a great time. If you want to learn more about Sam and his work, check out sambaktiar.com, the one percenter podcast. And you can also check him out on Instagram at sambaktiar. I'm going to link those all in the show notes. Sam, before we wrap up here, I want to ask you one last, last question. If there was one lesson that you would impart on my listeners today to help them create their next big win, what would that be? It would be never quit. You know, life is going to knock you down. Nobody has gone through life not being knocked down. No one. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you are. You've been knocked down before. The difference between somebody that makes it and somebody who doesn't make it, they don't stay down. They just keep going. Sam Bakhtiar, it's been an absolute honor. It's been a privilege. Thank you so much for coming on to Winning Streaks. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure.